Primetime with Sean Mooney is brought to you by Blue Chew. Guys, coming up, I'm going to let you in on the way to increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. That's BlueChew.com. Man up. However, standing by right now is the one and the only Sean Mooney. Who? Mooney, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. After you threw him off through the announce table, Taker climbs back down, he gets in the ring, and he goes, see if he's breathing. So right before I called 911, I thought she was falling asleep. So I nudged her, she didn't respond. I was sitting out in my front yard, and they told me that uh, she didn't make it. If they would do a movie about your life, who would you want to play your part? <laughs> well, George Clooney, of course. <laughs> who else could it be? You know, I think it would take probably $100,000 at least to bring us in for the Hall of Fame. Are you laughing, Sean? I get off the track here all the time. Did you just laugh, Sean? You can't You can't even show them on TV because they're so busy humping each other that you can't <laughs> even show them on TV. Attention, Sean Mooney, you scum, you slime, you maggot. If there's no further questions, you're dismissed. Carry on, maggot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Prime Time with Sean Mooney once again. Uh, hey, did you check out The Beast, Dan Severn? Did you catch that conversation? Uh, what a great episode. Uh, professional wrestling may have only made up a small portion of Dan's career, but he is well, one of those personalities, like Ken Shamrock, who had a big impact on professional wrestling and the WWE. Uh, you know, he really did a lot to legitimize uh, you know, what was happening in the ring uh, because these guys were just legitimate tough guys, and they came in during an era where, uh, you know, hardcore was very popular. And, uh, you know, just uh, some great stories uh, that he had to tell about that experience and, of course, with MMA. And he is truly a fascinating individual, uh, one of the original fighters inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame with over 100 victories to his name. And those are the ones that they actually kept track of because he started fighting before they really uh, kept great records uh, and unified in, in MMA and and. <laughs> You know, and he's in great shape now. I think he could step into the ring uh, tomorrow if he needed to. A great guy and uh, still ready to fight and, and still fighting. Uh, this week, a real fun episode. We've got a member of the Mean Street Posse. Yes, a member of Shane McMahon's gang, you know, from those mean streets of Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, Pete Gass is going to join us. A great conversation uh, about the incredible ride, uh, though brief that uh, Pete had with the WWE. But I'm telling you, not only uh, are there some, uh, you know, just great stories about uh, that experience, but also uh, we get a great look into the world of the McMahon family and what it was like to be around Vince when Shane was growing up. I mean, uh, you know, we forget that besides running the most successful, uh, one of the most successful businesses uh, anyway in the world of entertainment, uh, Vince McMahon is also a dad. And uh, we got uh, a great look into that world, some awesome stories that he talks about uh, uh, concerning that relationship between Vince and uh, Shane O'Mac, and, and that is coming up. Uh, uh, if you are a member of our uh, Patreon family, we want to thank you uh, for supporting the podcast. Really, it means a lot uh, that uh, you're able to help support uh, this effort so we can keep doing what we're doing. Uh, it's real easy to become a part of it. Guys, all you have to do is uh, go to patreon.com slash primetime Mooney. 
And, you know, the numbers keep growing. And whether you choose to be a prime timer or one of the many Moonies or part of the Legion of Who, uh, there is absolutely somebody, uh, something for everybody uh, with our Patreon membership. And we just added the LOW tier, as I mentioned, Legion of Who. I love it. Uh, with that, you get all the goodies. But immediately, you're going to get a T-shirt, absolutely free, a T-shirt uh, from the PTSM collection. And there are many. And it's your choice. Whichever one you want, we will send you. And this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you will also do a podcast with me featuring you. That's right. Your very own podcast. It's going to appear on Patreon. And bottom line, as I mentioned, you're going to uh, help support the program so that I can uh, keep ca uh, taking care of my great team, uh, Casey and Evan, uh, we can, so we can keep doing this. So just go to uh, patreon.com slash primetimemooney and join us today. All right, time to hit the gas. Uh, Pete gas, that is. Ding, ding, ding. Folks, uh, once again, we welcome uh, a great guest to Primetime with Sean Mooney. And uh, he's a tremendous story. Um, and I have uh, a few memories of my own back in the day when uh, I was living in Stamford, Connecticut, which uh, I'm going to bring up uh, a few times here in this conversation. But I want to welcome Pete Gas, Pete Gasparino, uh, many of you know from the Mean Street Posse, the Mean Streets of Greenwich. Uh, Pete, great to have you on PTSM. How are you, my friend? Oh, Sean, thank you very much for having me. It's an honor. I've... Uh... I always wondered if I was ever going to be honored to uh, grace your presence on this show. Uh, thank you for having me, though. It's great. Well, uh, uh, really, it's. Uh, I'm glad that we finally were able to connect here. And, um, you know, I first really met you in person, I guess you could say, because uh, I don't know if you remember before that when I was working in Stanford. Uh, but... Um, we did the Edge and Christian show, and it's a uh, you know, and when we're recording this, folks, uh, sadly, uh, this morning I just heard about the passing of Gene Okerlund, and uh, we did yeah. that show with Gene, and it's it's been a really it's been really a, a tough day because all these memories come flooding back, and I just saw Gene uh, recently back at WrestleCade. That was the last uh, opportunity I had a chance to see him, but um, and I don't know how many chances you had uh, to work with him as well, but it, it's really it's it's a sad day in the. Uh, world of professional wrestling and and the entertainment world. I mean, Gene was uh, known throughout the world for what he did in front of the camera. Yeah, yeah. I um. Well, it's funny because uh, I was at work and I was going out. I'm an outside sales, so I got into my car and I got a chance to look at my phone and uh, I saw that you know there was a lot of activity on Twitter and I saw the saw the word and then my wife had texted me and said that me and Gene had passed away and it really made me sad. Uh, because, you know, as you know, he was such a, a great guy and I don't know anyone oh. that had anything negative to say about the guy. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, that, you know, we, the stuff that we did with him a couple of years ago in season one of the edge and Christian show that day was an absolute blast, uh, sitting in, uh, Chris Chambers office prior to shooting and just hearing stories from him and just, I just had an absolute blast, but I had known him. I knew him from years ago when Shane and I were in high school, just, you know, going to his house, Christmas parties. And I do remember you obviously from way back in the day as well. Yeah, from you were like one of the, the kids uh, in the neighborhood. And I, I, you guys came to the TV yeah. studio a few times and it was just these guys that hung out with Shane and, you know, Shane was just a kid growing up and <laughs> uh, it's amazing how, <laughs> how fast the time goes by. 
but uh, yeah, really, it is. It's it's been a, a tough day uh, for me uh, uh, because I you know got to know Gene so well, and he helped me out so much early on in my career. And um, you know, I saw him when I was in Winston Salem, and um, he he'd been having issues with his health for a while. But uh, as always, we always think that you know these guys are going to live forever, and that certainly isn't the case in the wrestling business. But uh, I want to I want to look back though with you, uh, and like you mentioned that 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 day that we uh, shot uh, in Stanford at the TV studio with Gene and uh, and uh, Jay and and um, Adam. It really was just a blast. And I, I think, you know, remember we did like the, the whole set, the premise, folks. And if you haven't seen the the show, um, and, and I'll let Pete talk about some of the what, what his antics were on that one. But the premise with Gene and I that they brought us in is that uh, we thought we were coming in to be like the show's announcers. We're, you know, we were going to, you know, and Gene apparently didn't know I they had invited me to, you know, compete for this position. Well, we both get there, and then we find out that it's no, it's not for an announcer's job; it's for the bartender's job, <laughs> which you know that show is just such lunacy. But um, you know, with, with Gene, who just rolls with everything, and I just remember, and I don't know if you remember, Pete, but some of the lines in the prompter were just like so blue. I mean, I had no idea what they could get away with on that show, and I, you know, yeah. like eat my ass Mooney or something <laughs> and, 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 and you know, I mean, and it just, uh, I, I just, I, I remember laughing so hard. I cry, you know, crying for being around Gene. Uh, and, and that was just another example because he, his, his delivery on stuff was just so incredible. And I wish that a lot of people had known him. Uh, you know, they certainly knew him some for so many decades in front of the camera, but all, but behind the camera, he was just so damn funny, and uh, God, God, I'm gonna miss him. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think you said it best right there. It's just the people, you know, people loved him as an announcer. Yeah. But had they gotten to know him like like we 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 got to know him, and you much better than I did. But for the way I got to know him, you couldn't help but not you know you you had to love the guy, and like you said, the the way he said he told you to you know eat his ass and stuff it was just absolutely <laughs> priceless and oh my god uh, you know and it, that's the beauty of that that edge and christian show that it, it's uh they allow you to say basically whatever you want and if it's too vulgar then they uh but they write in the vulgar lines and then they beep it if they have to which right, is uh right. it's just great stuff but yeah to hear, to hear someone like gene tell you to eat his ass is just priceless <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Yeah, but uh, and and I actually took a picture of that prompter line because I just wanted to save it. I never posted it anywhere, but I I just said I've got to I've got to save this picture because no one you know uh, no one will believe that this is actually what went on. And it 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 ended up in the show, but uh, you know Gene yeah. just just was an original, and um, you know his his lines and his voice just unmistakable. And uh, I I've said it many times, and I'll say it again. Uh, you know there were. Uh, there was Gene Okerlund, and then there were the rest of us, and I and I. That's the way I will always feel about Gene. But uh, but but looking back though, that day that that uh, the Edge and Christian show, and you've become uh, good friends with the two of them. Uh, I I you know that's when I first met them, and I've I've stayed in touch with them. They've had me on had me on again this year, uh, and I know that you did yep. a show, and I don't know if it's out yet. 
Um, but uh, playing off the mean streets of Greenwich, I don't know if you had to have a lot of security when you shot that, but uh, is that <laughs> is that out yet, or is that we're not supposed to be talking about it? <laughs> yeah, no, it came out. It came out. Uh, it was actually out about uh, three weeks ago. It came out. It came okay. out a week before Christmas. And then uh, I was actually in your episode. I was actually uh, I forgot the guy's name. Uh, the guy that um, oh geez, this is what happens, uh, Sean, when you've been hitting the head. The with, recently, uh, the the recent one, the one in the Moonies. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the guy that uh, gosh, the deformed guy. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. No. Um, this is what happens when Bradshaw hits you in the head. Yeah, with I was going to say. He kind of, he kind you know, of it doesn't take too many of those. Yeah, but uh. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, it's uh, I can't think of his name, and I apologize. Um, the the guy that's kind of deformed. Um, they they dressed me up as him, and they used uh, the computer to kind of just form my face and look just almost basically just like the guy. And uh, and I'll think of it probably sometime from, later on when I'm sitting down having dinner. From a but, movie, um, a character. What what. Yeah, from that, from the, from the Goonies character. Oh, 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 um, okay, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I actually came swinging through on a on a vine. I don't, I guess, you, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, yeah, at the product. very end. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that um, was me. Um, that's funny. Because <laughs> we then, shot that uh, separately, folks. That's why I said I didn't see Pete there, but um, yeah, uh, yeah. You, you're part of the the classic uh, television now. Once again. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm, I, I haven't gotten the to, chance to see. I haven't seen the, uh, the 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 Mean Street Posse one, but I uh, it's definitely on my list because uh, they're fun to watch. And you know, one thing I can't believe is, first of all, the talent that they got to come on. I mean, it's pretty much everybody, but even more so than that, Pete is is what that you know the costumes and the stupid things they got them to do is just amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny that uh, I, when I talk to Adam about it, he always tells me um, there's always a lot of stories involved back behind the scenes. And yeah. I, the, this last one, they flew me to Baltimore and we shot for a day there. And then we took a bus from Baltimore to Stanford, Connecticut to do the, the uh, a bunch of, you know, a lot more scenes um, right. in Stanford for, for other episodes and stuff. And he, um, they were telling me on the bus that, all the talent, the current talent on the rosters uh, are dying to do this show. Like they, they don't care about doing any other show, but they want to be a part of the edge and Christian show. <laughs> and so I, I was always worried like, Oh, maybe next season I'm going to get bumped. But according to edge, you know, there's a bunch of us, you included that are, we're grandfathered in. So there's uh, we're guaranteed uh, some paydays, which is always yeah. nice. You can always well, get those extra paydays. And even better than that is that we get to go and, and get to play make-believe for another day. Yeah. But you have to admit, though, how many laughs are there when you're when you're there shooting on the side? Oh, I think there's... It's, yeah. I mean, I, it's I mean, I nonstop. Probably, I don't tell them this. I, I'd probably do it for free, but don't tell them because uh, yeah, yeah, they probably make me do it for free. Yeah, me too. <laughs> no, I tell people the story when we're on the uh, the dock, you know, where, the, where Carlito has his boat or ship or whatever you want to uh-huh. call it. And he, uh, and we're, we're, we're just dressed ridiculously. I'm in boxer shorts, you know, everybody's got this, whatever costume of piracy or whatever, you know, uh, Santino's there and Vicky Guerrero and this, and this couple, uh, two couples are going out to get on their, their boat. 
you know, and you know, it's down in, in down in Greenwich, and and uh, they come by and they look at us like, what and how in the world <laughs> are they doing on this stuff? Right. And as they come by and they look at us and they kind of stop and pause, and I said, uh, we'll explain all this later. And they just broke up, and they just kind of looked at us like, okay, and they just wandered off. But it was it was so fun. I mean, we and we we shot some scenes at a, a house where uh, there's an apparatus connected to this trophy, and uh, and just the, the lines that came out of that. And Tommy Dreamer is so funny too. He's uh, you know, Absolutely. and he's kind of there. He's he's their uh, Ed McMahon, I think, of that of that troupe. And uh, they just have him do all kinds of crazy things, but uh, really, really, it's it, it's just a blast. And I, I hope that uh, when they do another one, we get we actually get to uh, get on the scene together. Yeah, um, I hope so. That'd be great. Okay. Well, I tell you, I want to take you back before we get into, of course, all of uh, you know what happened uh, once you uh, were a part of the WWE. But as I mentioned, you know, I I arrived in Stanford in, in 1988, um, and um, I always tell people that. You know, at that time, the, the company was pretty small, and everybody knew each other. We were, uh, in many ways, like a family. And, um, you know, to go out to Vince's house was not that unusual. Uh, they used to have gatherings, and, and we would all go. And, uh, you know, Pat Patterson lived there, and he had a house uh, there with uh, with Louie, his partner. And people would be there, and they'd have you know, these crazy parties with bands and everything. Um yeah. But I, I tell you, I, I, do you remember uh, as far as what the company was like at that time? And um, it was growing leaps and bounds, of course. You know, they'd had WrestleManias and, and it was really. But at the same time, it was a small company in a way. I won't even say a corporation in a sense, even though it was. Yep. I mean, I remember back when it was in Greenwich, when it was uh, just a couple of floors in a small office building. Yeah. And it was real tiny. And then... Uh, you know, as, as it progressed and stuff, and then it eventually went to Titan tower. Right. And then, like you said, you know, Vince would have parties at his house. I, I remember when we were in high school going to Christmas parties and it was funny cause you know, we always wanted to come. We you never go anywhere empty handed. And we, you know, we knew Vince drank scotch, uh-huh. but Vince drank, you know, Vince drank Louie. He didn't drink. Uh, and we were bringing him the, the crappiest scotch the cheap stuff. Did. <laughs> we didn't know any, yeah, we didn't know. We who, who knew anybody? Yeah, we didn't know anybody. We were kids, you know. We yeah. we went to the liquor store because we all had fake IDs, and we were bringing <laughs> bottles of scotch. But they were like twenty dollars bottles of scotch, and he's drinking, you know, yeah. <laughs> his scotch. That was uh, wasn't even yeah, in, in the ballpark, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, I'm sure uh, he was appreciative but, though. At the same time, probably. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Great Absolutely. stuff. <laughs> right. And, Put uh, this in the special cabinet. <laughs> yeah, the garbage. <laughs> but I remember going to uh, going to the parties. I remember um, Santa Claus being there. You know, he always had that one guy playing Santa Claus at his house. And I remember he had a bar on each end of the house. I don't know if you remember that. And he would have you. Li- we literally would grab a drink at one end. And and we were when we were at Vince's house, even when there was not a Christmas party or whatever, we were allowed to drink, but we just weren't allowed to leave. So we would always spend the night. And we grab a drink on one end of the bar and you know, at one end of the house and then we make our way to the, by the time we got to the other end, our drinks were empty. We'd fill up there and go back to the other end and just keep going back and forth all night. And just, we would get loaded as kids. So yeah. we, uh, right. we had, we had a lot of fond memories of that house. It was great. So, so uh, even when you that know, house, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I want to hear more. Go ahead on the house. No, I was going to say, I remember when the house was being built and Vince was renting a house down around the corner. You know, when I say around the corner, about a mile down the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was renting a home and we were, as kids, we were swimming in the, in the pool and Vince went to go get us beer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, again, you know, we, we gave up our keys and stuff and he went to go get his beer. When he came back, there was a motorcycle uh, that was pulled up the driveway with him. And uh, at that time, uh, carrying the beer up with Vince was Hulk Hogan. No, 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 and, uh, yeah, so he came up and he was carrying beer. And then I, at the 15-year reunion, I actually saw him and I hadn't seen him in so long. I introduced myself and he was basically like, Pete, I know, you know, I, I remember you. And I was like, well, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> and uh, and I told him about the story. I was like, that was, a, you know, do you remember this? I remember this time. I'm sure you don't remember. But you know, I told him the story and he, he kind of paused and he's and we're in Bridgeport now at the at the arena. Yeah. And it, he paused and he's kind of like, you know, grabbing his chin. And he says, so wait a minute, I, I carried your beer. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of laughed and I'm like, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I guess you did. He's like, well, I guess you owe me one. Go get me an effing beer. So I had to go up into the, to the, to the concession and get him a beer. So I thought it was kind of funny because like, he actually really wanted a beer. So I had to go up and get him a beer from the concession stand. So it was, uh, Sweater vest and all, I ran up there and grabbed him a beer. I'm sure you didn't mind make, uh, running that errand, though, either. No, no. And I didn't mind paying for it for him. Uh, okay. You know, at that time, too, it was funny. Yeah. Now, so backing up here, and I'm, I'm trying, I want to create kind of a situation where, uh, you know, where people can understand uh, what it was like uh, at that time, like when you're in high school. And uh, yep. pretty much Vince and Linda had a, what you would call, or, or, or a, a, you know, something similar to a normal life. They wanted to raise their two kids and, and, and basically, you know, of course it's a different world in Greenwich, but how in the world, how, like, how did you become friends with Shane? Uh, p- people must've known he was Vince's son. And so how did it, how did you guys actually, you know, become friends? So, so in, in Greenwich, there's like three different junior high schools and uh, Rodney and Shane went to central. I went to, Eastern and we were rivals in football and all that. And so I knew who Shane was. And, uh, you know, I, I saw when we played against him in football, I saw Vince up in the stands and all that stuff. And then when we got to high school, the school's so big, we all played on the same football team. You know, at first I was like, Oh, this kid's going to be, you know, a snob. It was was the furthest thing from the truth because anyone that truly knows the McMahons, it's, not, they're not the characters you see on television. They're actually, I mean, they're very kind-hearted people. They're, I mean, Linda is one of the sweetest human beings I know. I couldn't say, I couldn't speak any high, more highly about her. She's, you know, and that, and that goes for all of them. And, uh, you know, they care about people and, and helping and, and everything else. And when uh, I got, um, I got to know Shane from playing football. We both played offensive lines, so we automatically did everything together. And we had, you know, classes together and everything else. And mm-hmm. and uh, I actually helped Shane get through tenth grade Spanish because he cheated off me the whole time. And then uh, <laughs> See? we we, um, we had we had some good fun times together. We all we all hung out and, uh, but you know, like right away, you know, like you go to you went to the house and you were accepted and you literally felt like one of Vince's uh, kids because he treated yeah. everybody normal. We would watch 
football on Sundays. Uh, I, I remember watching playoff games where Vince was a big Redskins fan back then, and I remember watching the Redskins versus the Lions and playoffs and all that stuff. And it was uh, it was pretty uh, it was fun. It was real. It was a lot of fun to uh, be included there. And you know, Vince was so much. He was so, he's larger than life, you know. So you see him, and then to know him as a person, it's it's really kind of special. Now, you know, when people think of Greenwich, Connecticut, and, and rightly so in many cases, it is, uh, you know, like largest mass of, of uh, personal fortune there is. But you know, there's also you know, people that live there that, are, you know, don't have a whole lot of money. Um, I know that you've worked your whole life. Uh, so did you not, you know, were you a rich kid growing up? I mean, did you, co- did you come from a wealthy family or, or, or no? <laughs> no. No, my father was a plumber. He was a cop for a while, and then uh, he was a plumber. So we were middle class, but my parents bought their house for thirty-five thousand dollars back in 1969. And my father was afraid of going for the house down the road, which was forty thousand dollars, because he was worried about making that mortgage payment of, yeah. you know, I think his mortgage payment was one hundred and six dollars a month, and he was worried about making it. And uh, you know, times weren't always the best and he got laid off a lot you know when, when there was no work he, he didn't work and you know we uh so it wasn't you know rodney's parents were the same thing rodney's parents owned an upholstery shop but you know not everyone's getting their furniture reupholstered in greenwich so just right. junking the stuff and going to uh going to buy new furniture you know so there are some uh there's it's not all like backcountry greenwich or on down by the water where there's all mansions and you know and Rolls Royces, but you know, there's, and that's the beauty of the McMahons because they never treated anyone, you know, everybody wore, put on their pants the same way and they treated everybody with respect and cared for everyone. It didn't matter what your uh, social status was. Well, maybe when uh, Pete was a member of the Mean Street Posse, he would never need something like this. But, you know, he's older now. He's uh, like one of us and uh, you might need a little help when, uh, you get that opportunity. You know which one I'm talking about. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Uh, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Now, come on. Let's be honest here. It may not be a constant problem. It uh, may happen occasionally, but no matter who you are, at some point, uh, we men have trouble performing when we really need to. You know what I'm talking about? Well, with Blue Chew, you can now increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Uh, the answer, bluechew.com. That's bluechew, like the color blue. You know, bluechew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So, you know they work. And what's great about bluechew is that you can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, it makes them work faster. Right? So, so you can be ready whenever that opportunity arises. Uh, and guys, they make it real easy to get them right to your door. Look, I did it, so it can't be that tough, right? All you have to do is go to bluechew.com, you answer a few questions, and then they take it from there. And Bluechew is uh, prescribed online, and it ships straight to your door, as I mentioned, in a discreet package, so there's no in-person doctor's visit. Uh, you do it all online, and there's no waiting at a pharmacy. And best of all, no more awkwardness, you know, because it's kind of, you know, you, you, you want something that's going to help you, but you don't need everybody to know about it, right? So what are you waiting for? Take it from me. If you want to improve your performance, get that extra confidence in bed, get Blue Chew right now. 
And now could not be a better time to get your first order because uh, you are a listener of this podcast. You are going to get a very special deal. Visit BlueChew.com right now and you will get your first shipment absolutely free when you use the special promo code PRIMETIME, P-R-I-M-E-T-I-M-E. And all you have to do is pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code PRIMETIME to try it for free. Come on, guys. Man up, will you? Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. That's BlueChew.com. Yeah, and that's that's a point I really wanted to bring up, uh, Pete, because uh, and when you mentioned Rodney, folks, he's talking about Rodney Leinhardt, who was also a part of the Mean Street Posse. But, you know, you two, you grew up as, like you said, middle-class kids. You had uh, parents that, you know, working and uh, trying to take care of their families. So when you think of Greenwich, a lot of people think, of course, yeah, there is certainly a lot of wealth. There are a lot of wealthy people. But was it, um, it must have been kind of a, a wonderland to you, though, to go to that house and just, not not just for the wealth, but also you're seeing, like you said, Hulk Hogan's there. He drops by. I, I imagine that happened on a lot of occasions. But, with, you know, yeah, had different I mean, superstars. We, yeah, I mean, like, so where Shane's parents live, you know, it's a, it's an area where it's obviously it's a very wealthy area. Yeah. Um, they had a, there was like a club air, clubhouse area where Yvonne Lendl used to practice tennis at the clubhouse <laughs> yeah. and we, and with it had a basketball court and we would go there and we would be in there while Yvonne Lendl was like, I don't know, like 20 yards away from us practicing tennis and we're throwing basketballs at each other, trying to, make each other trip when we're going up for layups and like someone's going up for a shot and we're, you know, undercutting the guy and falling. And like, you know, we were delinquents, you know, we were doing stuff <laughs> like that, you know, and then, you know, and, and then the next morning after being hung over, we go to this, the, the, we call it the little red barn to go get egg sandwiches. And Ron Howard's there. And he's, uh, you know, he knows us all by name. Cause he would see us like every Sunday morning. Cause we'd be there with a hangover getting breakfast, you know, like, yeah. But it was, you know, it was just normal. I guess it was a normal routine for us. Like, we didn't get starstruck over it, but it was kind of like more like, you know, hey, what's going on, Yvonne? What's going on? You know, stuff like it was just more of a, but, you know, no one treated, you know, they all knew us as goofballs, but we just kind of did everything. But we, again, we were just, you know, we were with Shane and, and that was just, I guess, I guess our free pass. I guess if we weren't with Shane, we would have been kicked out of there or, cops called or whatever but we got away with a lot of stuff yeah and you know the thing is about that area and i lived there uh till 93 um you know and i was i married the first time in, in darianne and uh you know it, it really was you know there are a lot of people like you mentioned it's a lot of these uh celebrities who lived in that area but different than hollywood these people just and especially in these places, because a lot of these people had money, whatever, but they were treated just like anybody else. I mean, you go down, uh, you know, to a local sandwich shop and, you know, Paul Newman lived up I mean, he would be there getting a sandwich, you know, and it was, uh, yep. it was very much like that. But, um, you mentioned in your book and folks, if you haven't checked it out, looking at the lights, my path from fan to a wrestling heel, and I'll mention it several times in our conversation here, but, um, I really enjoyed in, in, in reading about the the young Shane, who uh, you know I, I look at what he's he does, and I'm sure you're, you're the same way. I know you've talked about you know some of the the bumps, and I don't even how can you even call them bumps? They're 
magnificent magnificent stunts in some ways that you know I, where i'm like oh my god you know what he is what he yeah. does but you say that this is the shane you you always knew uh, tell us yeah. a few a few incidents that you witnessed with him as kids before all of this madness started with the wwe yeah, well, I mean, one of them that always kind of stands out is when we were, we finally uh, were freshmen in college and we come back and we go to a keg party at one of our, a guy we played football with, this kid, Will Hunting, we go to his house and we're in the backyard and there's a girl I'm trying to talk to and, you know, try to rekindle a flame that had been out or whatever. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, I guess Shane, Shane had come in with a, a, a bunch of the, our buddies and <clears throat> he decided that, um, he didn't want to, he didn't want to be there anymore. He wanted to use the fake IDs that one of the guys that we played football with had made us a, a year earlier. And he said he wanted, you know, he wanted to go to a bar and, and really tear it up. And, and, uh, you know, you go out to a bar with Shane and it's not like you're buying, you know, every, not everyone buys around. You try to buy around and he, it's, he doesn't accept that, you know, mm-hmm. like, so you have to try to be smarter than him, but he's already told the bartender not to accept any of our money. Um, and then he goes and buys around and it's always like, well, give everybody three beers and two shots. <laughs> and that's how he buys rounds. And it's like, you know, so you, you, you really walk out inebriated. And, yeah. um, so they decide that they want to go to a bar and they want to bring Pete gas with them. So, uh, you know, I, I, I was trying to give him the look like, you know, I'm good. I'm fine where I am. I'll meet up with you guys, which meant, you know, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Cause I was trying to, you know, yeah, work this girl, work out something. Yeah. And, uh, next thing you know, they all literally pick me up by each limb and carry me. And they, and Shane's truck was once again in the, uh, shop because his, uh, Shane had that, I don't know if you remember, he had a big Ford F-150. Yeah, it's a monster truck. Yeah, yeah, big monster truck. Yeah, like a monster truck. And he tried to drive over everything and he always kept blowing out the drive shaft. So it was always in the shop (laughs) and he had the maids like Lincoln Ford or the, the, the town car which was like a mint green. I don't know if you remember that thing, but it was a tank. So, yeah. uh, he had her car and, and they throw me in the back and we're on the highway and we're heading down to a, a part of Greenwich. And all of a sudden they decide that they're going to go surfing on the top of the car, like uh team wolf, the movie team wolf. Yeah, and, yeah. uh, sure. Sure enough. There goes Shane. He's riding on top of the car and you know, Shane, I always said he's an adrenaline junkie and he's riding on top of the car. And then, you know, Rodney's on the hood and he's, grabbing onto the uh the windshield wipers and his can of dip falls out of his shirt pocket and uh it's rolling out and you know that three dollar can of tobacco back then you know what's more important your life or your tobacco yeah. he goes and grabs the tobacco like let's go of the wipers and i'm just sitting in the back saying something's never changed you know i'm like but shane's surfing on the car and everyone's laughing and we've had a bunch of beers in us and i'm like it's uh-huh. all we need is to hit a bump and you know what i mean but that was shane you know we yeah. and then but, uh, and then on the way home that night, we drop, uh, Rodney off at a, a girl's house and we're going and we're driving and, uh, Shane decides he's going to start driving over people's shrubs and <laughs> running into some fences and stuff and just being reckless with the car. And next thing you know, we're, I see cop headlights behind us. And I said, oh, I said, God. Shane, I said, there's a there's, and I'm sitting in the back. Now the kid, uh, I don't know if you remember Willie green, he was in one of the vignettes or a couple of vignettes years ago, but he was, uh, he was a real, you know, delinquent. He, he had picked up a rock the size of a bowling ball. He wanted to throw through someone's windshield. I was like, what is, you know, how old are we, you know? Yeah. And, uh, sure enough, cop lights 
start flashing, and I said, Shane, I told, oh, I said, I said, Shane, there's a cop behind us. He says, no, it's a Jeep. And I said, Shane, I know, I know the difference between a cop headlight and a Jeep <laughs> headlight. Sure enough, the lights hit. Uh, Willie throws this boulder behind me in the back, and it hits uh, me in the shin. And I got I'm trying to cover it with my feet. And the cop pulls over, and Shane gets out of the car, which you're not supposed to do. So the guy's, like, yelling. Yeah. And the guy wants to give Shane a ticket. So the ticket was for, like, 80, like 80-something dollars. And then Shane says, well, can I pay you here now? <laughs> and then the guy thought Shane was being a wise guy. <laughs> and he starts, he starts screaming at him. And then he, Shane hands him the, his driver's license, and he sees that he's Vince's son. And then the next thing you know, we're in the car, and, and uh, <laughs> we're, we're driving away scot-free. No home, ticket. Yeah. And I'm just like, he had more lives than a cat. It just, yeah. I mean, it's just unbelievable. You know, he just, but that's, uh, that's Shane. That's a, that was always, you know, he, he always found like the highest place to jump off of at the falls in Greenwich. He always yeah. found ways to do the craziest stunts. And that was just him. Yeah. Makes total sense. Now, one thing though, we should point out here, and at least from what I witnessed, Vince was pretty strict with, 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 uh, Shane. <laughs> Uh, you know, like, cause a lot of people yeah. might think he was just this kid that ran free and got to do whatever he want. Uh, that wasn't necessarily the case. I mean, Vince was, uh, pretty, pretty much a disciplinarian, wasn't he? Yes, he was. And Shane, Shane learned how to take a beating, put it that way. Yeah. He definitely, uh, he definitely knew, uh, you know, the days of, you know, now where, you know, kids aren't allowed to, you know, we, we, back then all of our parents cracked us and, yeah. uh, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, uh, Vince, I've, I've seen Vince use Shane's head to open up the front door. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not lying about that one. That's, that's a truth. So like, uh, yeah. when we were kids, he wasn't supposed to, he was not supposed to ride a friend of ours, his motorcycle. So Shane had the bright idea to go walk down the road and, uh, so we walked down the road and Shane took the motorcycle for a ride. So then all of a sudden here comes Vince with that big barrel chest walking down the driveway. And we're like, Oh darn. Yeah. Here, we didn't say darn. Yeah. Uh-oh. yeah here comes Vince. And, yeah. And, uh, he comes up to us. He says, boys, we're Shane. Now, no, not one of us would rat. Mm-hmm. We just kind of all looked at each other and we wouldn't say anything, but we didn't need to because here comes dopey coming around the corner. And sure enough, you know, he just looked at us and he says, boys, time to go. <laughs> and then we, we just, we all started to laugh because we knew he was going to catch a beating. So then we got in the car and as we're pulling out of the driveway, we saw, I saw Shane's head open up the front door. <laughs> it just kind of gave him, gave him the old uh, heave ho right through the front door. So, yeah. um, it was one of those deals and we all laughed at others, each other's pain. So when Shane, Shane's head hit the front door, we all kind of laughed. <laughs> So, and that was just, uh, that was our, that was our, uh, humor for, that was our amusement for the, uh, for the day that day. Yeah. And I'm sure that you reminded him of that, uh, probably on occasion after that as well. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, man, that's, uh, it, you know, it must've been, uh, very interesting to grow up, uh, in, around Shane and, in, in, uh, in, in that, and just living in that area. I mean, I, you know, I was an adult and living there, but, uh, as a kid, it must've just been. Uh, crazy a wild a playland really because especially what you got introduced to so uh you know moving along here and you know uh, you played college football right so you you uh i did yeah we were an athlete um so 
Was it your idea? I mean, that you did you always want to? I know you were a wrestling fan, but did you think about stepping into the ring? I did. So when I was like um, about twenty, my father died when I was twenty-two, and after um, after he passed away, uh, I had gone to Shane and I had said to him. Um, you know, I, I felt like it was time. I, I, I reached out to him. I went to his office and sat with him and said, uh, you know, Shane, what do I, what do I need to do? How do I get into the business? I want to become a wrestler. And the funny thing was he said to me, you know, you don't want to do this. He said, you mm -hmm. don't want to get in the business. And I don't know if it was because he didn't want to feel responsible or feel obligated to, you know, whatever the case was about his friends or, or whatever, but he said, you know, you're going to have to go to Memphis and you're going to have to work. You know, they, you'll drain your bank account, which really had not much in it as it is. And he knew that our family was broke. And, and I don't know if it was because, you know, he felt like I should probably stay around for my mom. I don't know the exact reason why, other than possibly that, you know, he didn't want to have to have me go through the experience of having to go to Memphis or whatever. But he, yeah. you know, he downplayed the whole yeah. idea of being in Memphis, Tennessee and working for $25 a day and they treat you like crap and everything. Um, and I really wanted to do it. And it was a dream of mine. And then here, five years later, he calls Rodney and I into his office and says, uh, will you guys do me a favor? And, <laughs> you know, of course, you know, we would do anything for him. And he shows us a script. And he said, "Would you on Sunday? Will you go see Chris Chambers at the studio? I want you to dress real preppy, and I want." And he has a script, and he tears it up, and he says, "I don't want you guys using a script." He goes, "I want you to go there, and I want you to tell stories about us being in, being kids, getting in fights, and um, all the stuff that we used to do as kids." And Chris Chambers is going to cut it up, and he's going to put it together, and you're going to be on Monday Night Raw the following night. And Rodney and I were like, you know our jaws dropped yeah sure and then so that was we had to be there at 10 o'clock on a sunday morning and rodney rodney came to my uh my house where i was I, I was renting a house with a buddy and uh a couple buddies and uh he came he came to the house and we both drank a 12 pack of beer <laughs> and uh to, to get rid of the nerves and <laughs> we went over there and but i mean sean if you saw those vignettes i mean i was I was still built like an offensive lineman. I was, you know, I, I didn't have any type of, I wasn't built like a wrestler. I didn't have any type of, you know, I wasn't, you know, in any type of wrestling shape. I wasn't, you know, I had right. pretty much just given up any type of hope of that. So, <clears throat> and then as we went there, that's when we got into better wrestling shape and everything else as time went on. But, um, so we did these vignettes and things just kind of snowballed and then they brought us to WrestleMania and it just kind of, you know, after that, they saw the reaction that we got from the crowd and the vignettes. And 10 days after WrestleMania, they, Shane called us back in and said, how much vacation time do you guys have? And back then, Raw was on every other week. Mm -hmm. uh, you would do live Monday, tape Tuesday for the following Monday. And we were taking time off from work and going on the road. And we did that until we had the loser leave town match uh, against Briscoe and Patterson that got uh, really high ratings. And I think, yeah, I mean, incredible high ratings. That wasn't what, uh, yeah, I don't know how long that record stayed for, but that was right. Uh, and that was, yeah. I think, I think that's what got us back there was the ratings. Cause you know, Vince, um, 
you know, I think the, the thing that, you know, like, and I think, you know, like people used to crap on our characters and even the, you know, the internet wasn't as big then, which probably good for me because, uh, I, w- I got, I would have got buried, but <clears throat> you know, the thing that people didn't understand from our characters was Vince took two guys from the streets and lit with no, with zero training. Yeah. And, and this had never happened before and it'll never happen again, especially now with the performance center and everything else going on. And he put us on live television with the best of the business. And he said, he literally said to us, don't get hurt and don't hurt my guys and just go out there. And Rodney and I wanted to do everything we possibly could to give him everything we had and do the best possible job we could with what we knew, which was nothing. We just threw our bodies around and people just loved hating the fact that we were those, those rich kids from Greenwich, you know, and who acted like they were above everybody else. And, you know, and then, when they decided to bring us back, that's when, uh, that's when the training really began. You know, at first Dr. Tom Pritchard was just teaching us basic bumps to help us survive. And then, then they started teaching us and then eventually they sent us to Memphis anyway. So I ended up going to Memphis anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's when we started training, um, with Steven Regal. And we had, I, we had some phenomenal trainers, beautiful Bobby Eaton was a trainer and, uh, Jim Neanville Ninehart was a trainer Jeez. and we had some, yeah, we had some great trainers. And then eventually, you know, down the road, I, I, I was sent to Puerto Rico. I learned from Sabio Vega and it was great. I mean, the experience was amazing. Yeah. Absolutely well, incredible. You know, and, and, but backing up on this and you talk about, you know, how people buried yeah. you, but, um, did you, do you, did you ever find out who originally came up with that idea, you know, to have the mean street posse, the Greenwich uh, was it, was it, did Shane or uh, did you ever find out where that, that seed was planted? So from what I understand, it was Chris Chambers. He, from what I understand, Chris Chambers was the one that, uh, came up with the idea. And I hear there's all the rumors come around. It, it was, uh, kind of like a, a spin off, like a character th- kind of thing from like the movie, the outsiders. You had the mm-hmm. socias mm-hmm. and the greasers that we were kind of like a socias. And then you hear that. And then, um, Vince Russo said that he kind of took a little credit for it and he's the one that really wanted to run with this once it came up. And, and, uh, so you hear, you hear that. And then, um, but you know, eventually like everything else, like eventually Vince gets tired of things. So he, you know, he put the kibosh on it after three years. But, um, you know, the thing too, that the people have to remember is if, if it was something that Vince, like, I mean, yeah, we got a break from, from the McMahons obviously to get the opportunity, but we, you know, we're doing them a favor, but if it was something that Vince didn't see as a moneymaker, you know, as well as I do that there's no way in heck that Vince would just be doing it to do us a favor, to give us, put a few bucks in our pocket. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. If if that first uh, night, if that first night you guys stepped in that ring and just were horrible, that would have been the end of it. I mean, they wouldn't have gone right. right. And, and, that, and that's, that really is amazing. You know, what you said that you guys were able to, uh, actually step in there and pull it off because, uh, just to get to that point, just to, to even get a tryout with them. Uh, you know, you've got guys that have been at it since they were 16 or 17. And finally they go through, you know, all the Indies, uh, trying to work their way up and probably early twenties before they do get a sniff. And they're brought in and they might get a shot where they get a dark match, you know, to, to take a look at a guy. 
And so you're right. I mean, you can you can look at it two ways. You can say, man, look at these guys. They got so lucky uh, to even do that. But it would have been they opened the door for you. Basically, what happened? Right, and then, you know, and then even like within the original Mean Street Posse group, you know, there was there was five of us at WrestleMania, and then out of the five of us, they only kept Rodney and I. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even those guys, you know, like I had no control over that. And, you know, there was some dissension amongst those guys with Rodney. Well, I don't know about with Rodney, but with me, like, oh, why was, why was Pete there? You know? And then it was like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was, I've been friends with Shane. I've been with friends with Shane longer. Well, you know, I, you know, like, I have no control over that, you know? And that was, uh, you know, cause one guy went to school with them longer than, you know, than I did or whatever the case is, you know, like, that's like, obviously I have no control over something like yeah. that, but, uh, so there was, there was, uh, definitely, um, some anger there with a couple of those guys to this day, mm. um, where, you, you know, like if you see anything on social media, there'll be, they'll be angry, but, but that's something like you, I can't control. So I don't right. worry about it, but, uh, Absolutely. you know, it's just sad that, you know, that friendship ends over something like that, which is stupid, but, yeah. um, but the way this you know, thing happened, it is, like I said. yeah. But the way this thing happened, and uh, you know, it built, and you know, initially the way you physically looked, the way you guys dressed, the way you had that that god obnoxious swagger, arrogance, it, it was natural heat, and you saw that uh, when it really came to its peak when you had that match with. Uh, you know, Briscoe and, and, and Pat Patterson and, uh, and the high ratings. I mean, if people don't like what they're watching, they turn it off and they used to watch that, you know, minute by minute, the ratings were, were scaled on there. So for you guys to have accomplished that shows that you guys were great heels. And that is a tremendous compliment to what you guys oh, yeah. did. And I, I hope to this day, you, you still feel good about that. Absolutely. And it, it's a feather in, in our caps. And, you know, I remember, uh, Howard Finkel would, would go and he, I remember him watching both shows and mm-hmm. comparing and writing notes for Vince on at this time, you know, WCW was showing, you know, Hogan versus such and such. And at this time, the mean street posse were fighting Briscoe and Patterson mm. and the ratings were, and then they would compare the ratings and we beat, we beat Hogan that night uh-huh. in the ratings. And I, you know, like those, those things. So for us that night was, that was incredible. And then, you know, the, but the, 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 the cherry on top of it all was the following night, uh, we were driving home, you know, we, we had lost a loser leave town and we were, we're driving back. And, um, at, by that time, Vince had put the kibosh on Shane driving with us because he didn't want to show, you know, any favoritism towards, towards us in any way, which that's a, that's a book in itself, that whole, that whole topic. Um, because after, you know, once we started going on a consistent basis that, that really, uh, there was no favoritism whatsoever. Um, but anyway, so we got a phone call from Shane driving home that night. And, uh, he said, Hey guys, hold on a second. Someone wants to talk to you. And I'll never forget this. And uh, I was driving and Rodney was uh, sitting passenger and and it was Vince. And he said, boys, I want you to know something. And then this gets me choked up because I never heard this much from my dad. Um, He told us he was, 
he was proud of us mm. because for what we were able to accomplish for what we knew in the business yeah. and for what we were able to do and to get the ratings that we did that, you know, so for us, it was a big deal. Cause like I, like I said, we really wanted to, to do a lot for Vince and uh, to hear that from him. I'm sorry. I get choked up. Yeah, no, I... <clears throat> it, it means a lot to me. So getting that respect in the locker room and getting that from him means that meant more than, uh, than anything to be honest yeah. with you sorry man I, I get i get that always gets me every time well i i, I totally understand it and, and especially um you know vince is not a very emotional guy I and mean, i mean all the time that i was around i don't ever remember that you know there might have been a couple of moments but i know with his kids uh he is um but to have that moment really and, and to understand that you know Vince understands what it takes to be over and, and what for right. what you guys were able to do uh, was incredible. And for him to recognize it is, is pretty amazing. Um, you mentioned right. that it wasn't easy in that locker room because initially you're kind of this, um, you know, novelty, I guess you'd call it. And they're figuring, okay, this is something that they're doing with Shane and it's going to blow over and then they're going to go away because there is unbelievable competition in the WWE folks. Uh, there's, and I've mentioned this on many occasions, but you talk about, you know, the NFL has the greatest, uh, greatest collection of athletes in the world, but look how many teams there are and look how many athletes are on each one of those teams. Well, there's basically one team with the WWE uh, and that roster stretches. Maybe, I don't know what it is now. I remember back when I worked there were the rosters were maybe 60 something. So you got to imagine the incredible competition there is that exists, especially at that point in time. We're talking, you know, 99 and those, you know, 2000. And that that was, uh, you know, the, the, the WWE is back on top again. So, so to get any minutes on television was big. So uh, what? Yeah. when did that kind of change? And you started to realize, okay, this is a different ballgame. So, so – when we lost the loser to leave town match and then they decided to bring us back uh, yeah. a, a month later and sorry for cracking up a little bit right there um, before, but uh, the, uh, when they brought us back, he, um, that's when the, uh, we noticed a change, not in everybody, but we noticed a change in the locker room. So where we were a novelty at first and people were like, you know, all oh, these are Shane's buddies, you know, that's cool. And everyone was kind of like, you know, really cool to us and everything all of a sudden now it's like you know what are they doing here why are they back you know mm -hmm. why are they on three segments in one night why are they doing the christmas show as the butlers for stephanie and and triple h and uh why are they doing that and they're on we were literally on probably eight segments and we had a match against too cool and you know so there was like now all of a sudden you see like some of the guys, the mid and lower card guys were kind of pissed, you know, yeah. I mean, some of the guys yeah. weren't the guys that we were close to. They were, they were cool with us. And then it became a thing where the, you know, the guys and I didn't, I knew it, but I didn't, I didn't actually hear it from guys until much later. Um, guys like Bradshaw. And then it wasn't until I did a book signing, uh, about a year and a half ago, Bob Holly 
told me, he, you know, that he told me that these, uh, these guys behind our back would talk in the locker room and say that, um, they used to see who could break us mm. and they wanted to see, um, and, and if you ever have him on, he'll tell you, he said, uh, so I was, I'll tell this story, this part of the story real quick. He, um, Bob Holly, I was, I was doing a book signing and I had a, some books left over a couple of eight by tens. I was putting them in a box. I put them back. I put them in my car and I, I went back to say my goodbyes to all the people I hadn't seen in a while. And I was walking, I said goodbye to Bob and I was going to walk away and he grabbed my arm and I turned around and I said, and he said, Hey, I want to talk to you. And I pulled him, he pulled me and I, I don't know what I can say, what I can't say, but he said, uh, you are, he goes, I want to tell you something. You are one tough son of a bitch. And he said, I don't know if I, he says, I don't know if I ever told you this or if you knew this, but we used to talk about you guys behind your back when you first got there. And he said, we used to see who could break you guys. And he said, Pete, when we were in the ring, I would punch you for real. And I would mm -hmm. hit you. And you, and he said, you would take, take every bit of it and you would do, he said, you, you ran with every punch. He said, you did everything you could. And you made me look good. And then when we got in the back, he said, you smiled and you were laughing and you shook my hand and said, thank you. Mm. Cause that's it, it. For those that don't know, when you get done with the match, you, right. you basically shake hands and hug it out and say, thank you. And basically you're saying thank you because you protected each other and you, you, you took care of each other. Now this guy tried to knock my head off and I'm thanking mm. him. Yeah. So it's basically like mind effing him back because he tried to beat the hell out of me and I'm basically saying thank you. And he couldn't basically, he couldn't get the best of me. Yeah. And, um, so when he did it, I, when he said that to me, I kind of laughed and I said, Bob, I said, I, I grew up with two older brothers and they used to beat the piss out of me. <laughs> and I said, I said, uh, I, I always learned if you, if you, if you whined and you bitched and moaned or whatever, all that did was bring on more beatings. Right. And I said, uh, I said, I wanted to get respect in that locker room. And I knew that doing it, if I complained or did anything, I said, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say nothing hurt. I said, but you didn't really hurt me that bad. I said, you mm. didn't give me a black eye. You didn't do anything. I was like, but you know, I said, I'm not looking for you to knock me out now. I said, but you know, I said, I just, I went with it and I was fine with it because I knew what my role was. And he mm. says, well, he says, you're absolutely right. And he goes, I want you to know that you earned my respect. And I said, he said, I want you to know that when I got back in the locker room, Bradshaw and those guys would bust on me that I couldn't, that I couldn't break you. And he, and he, you know, and the same thing with Bradshaw, Bradshaw wrapped yeah. a chair around my head yeah. and, uh, you know, at, on a Monday night raw. And he told me months later that he tried to take my head off. And when we, Shit. when we got back, when we got back, uh, to the, uh, behind the curtain, I did the same thing with him and he was before, uh, Bob Holly <clears throat> and I shook his hand and I said, thank you. And he said to me, um, a lot sooner than Bob did, obviously, but he said, that's the day I earned his respect. In fact, he, he did that. He, I earned his respect so much that he even wrote, he was one of the people that wrote one of my, he was one of the two guys, him and Adam wrote the forwards to my book. Mm. So for that, you know, that was great. Yeah, and in some ways, uh, you had you guys had it tougher than others, and I'm I'm certainly not making light of people making their way in the WWE, but 
you said you really had to prove yourself night after night to these guys that, yeah, dish whatever you want, but I'm coming back tomorrow night. And uh, that yeah. is the way you did it because you're right. If you would have done it another way, uh, whined and complained or gone to one of the agents and says he's being too stiff with me, that would have made it really bad. And so uh, yeah. as, as much as the physical uh, – pain you took. And like you said, you had many headshots you've probably paying for today. Uh, that um, earned you a lot of respect with those guys. And it's pretty obvious, but you tell them that years later, these guys came back and told you differently. And it's, that's um, really a credit to what you get, were able to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, we, Rodney and I knew that we got a break and, you know, it was something that when we got a taste of it and it was something that, uh, me personally, I always dreamt of doing, and it was like one of those things where I wanted to stay so bad. You know, I remember being hurt so bad, like it, my, I hurt my leg one night so bad, and it was actually before the Briscoe and Patterson, the, the match that we we um, we had the ratings, and mm -hmm. it, that morning, I remember I was in so much pain I I could barely get out of bed and walk, and I remember uh, back then Rodney and I had to room together. And, um, I remember getting up and like literally like crawling to get my shoes on and getting out. It was probably like five in the morning. And I remember walking, like getting like limping outside and then like sitting down on it. And I was like, I had to get that muscle working cause I wasn't going to miss Monday night raw. Cause I had mm -hmm. gotten hurt on a house show. And I remember there's nothing's going to Cause in our, in my biggest fear was missing a show and then them saying you're cut. So we, we, mm. we were, there were times we were hurt and we were not missing a thing. We would yeah. like, I, you know, you see guys now, like, you know, they get hurt or, you know, they get concussions and you know, they, they're on that concussion, concussion protocol. And like, I, I just, I mean, they didn't have that then. And I, I know there was times where I, I wrestled and, I remember, so the, the night after the Bradshaw chair shot, we flew to Tallahassee and I'll, we flew on a, a charter flight. And I remember we were on a tarmac and we were waiting for our bags to come off. And I remember Mick Foley coming up to me and he, uh, he said to me, he's like, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I said, I'm good. And he said, Pete, he said, I've taken a lot of chair shots. And then he yeah. told me the story, you know, and I, of course with rock, you know, he took, I forgot, 13 or something chair yeah. shots from the rock. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, he told me the whole story and he said, but not one of those chair shots was as brutal as the one that Bradshaw gave really? me. Really? Wow. And yep. Cause and that, uh, that's said, like classic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And to get that from him, you know, yeah. and that was, you know, and then not even, uh, a, you know, after he and I stopped talking, you know, Jericho came over and I remember he goosed me and he said, uh, are you okay? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, you know, you're going to be facing the acolytes again tonight. He said, uh, especially being in, in Tallahassee where Ron Simmons went to FSU. Yeah. And he said, uh, do yourself a favor. Don't take another chair shot to the head this soon. And, uh, so, you know, me being a dummy, I was like, screw that. I'm taking one now, you know, cause I'm not going to be, you know, my, yeah. but I didn't, you're not going to go to I them and say, I don't, I don't think this is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would, that would never be it. And then yeah. sure enough, like when we, when we got, when we were going over the match, we have, of course had to face the posse. I mean, uh, the acolytes rather. Yeah. And, uh, 
sure enough, they were the agents were like, uh, you know, Pete does not get hit in the head with a chair tonight. Mm. You know, and then you know, he was like telling Bradshaw, if you're going to hit him, hit him in the back. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so, and then sure enough, you know, like he listened and he gave Rodney a chair shot to the head, which was pretty stiff. But um, yeah, it was just, it was, uh, you know, I think like signs like that where Mick's coming up to me and Jericho's coming up to me and stuff like that. To me, that those are signs where like people were kind of like, you know, and you know, these guys are okay, you know, because they were like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm fine." And mm. I would never let anyone know if I was hurt. And you know, to me, I wasn't hurt, but I'm sure I killed some brain cells that day. You know. Yeah. But, well, and you know, and you and you mentioned about when you like you first came in. You guys don't know what you're doing. You you have really no training. You're you're trying to catch up. They're training you at night. Uh, you're working during the week <laughs> in a real job and. Uh, and, and you get to 2001, and, and they send you, or before that, they send you to Memphis. But you're you're training, and you're at a point where I, I imagine you start to feel like you're 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 getting this business. You're able to work. You're 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 uh, doing well, and then it's over. And first, I mean, tell us how that happened. When did it get to that point? And was it just a numbers game, or what was going on? Because they had so much happening with the company. Uh, what was going on then? Well, um, you know, back then, and I don't know how much different it is now because I'm not there. Um, yeah. Back then, you had writers yeah. assigned to you, and um, you know, I our writer had left, and he had gone to uh, he had gone to write a show with uh, one of the writers from the uh, from another um, a talk show. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to go, you know, they, they went and did stuff. And then, so we noticed as soon as he left to go do an, an, another show, um, that's when our characters started to, to decline uh-huh. and, um, we were doing less and less. And then the next thing you know, we were, they didn't have much for us. So they were, we were working a lot of dark matches and then eventually, um, we were pulled off from traveling on TV and we were just in Memphis trying to develop characters. And then, you know, the talk was that we were going to be going, uh, going back as the mean street posse once Shane had bought nitro, according to Mm -hmm. the storyline. And then, so they were going to bring us in as the mean street posse because it would only make sense that we we would be with his, their, their buddy Shane. And then we would split up in the storyline. And then by then, um, uh, we, so we had had we had developed our own separate characters and ready for the you know to be called up and then I was uh, I got a call from Dennis Brent who was with Jr. and mm-hmm. doing talent relations and they said that they wanted me to go to Puerto Rico they wanted me to become somewhat of a high flyer they wanted me to work with Savio Vega they wanted me to do more uh, they wanted to advance my training which I thought was. I didn't understand it um, because, you know, I'd heard from Percy, who was Paul Bearer, who was scouting at the time. And he, he was telling me that I was ready to be called up that now by that time, when I first started, I was 285 pounds and I was built like an offensive lineman. But by the time this happened where I'm talking about, I was 240 pounds and I was built much, much differently and uh, I can work. And, you know, you put all this hard work in and you, you, we watched films, we did everything we could. And, 
And that's why we, we had made so made it so far was because we treated every day. We about, we, our thing was about getting better. Yeah. And you know, I, I watched all the great ones and I got, I asked for help and I asked questions and guys like Adam, Adam Copeland would help me. And since day one, when I first met him, he was always there to help me. And, uh, you know, he's always been a great friend to me. And, um, but like, so you get to this point where, you know, when you're on television, you didn't know crap. And now all of a sudden you, you, yeah. you know what you're doing. You understand philosophy and you know how to put together a match and now you're ready to go. And then from, you know, you hear that now Vince isn't interested in your character anymore. And now you're in Puerto Rico. And then I get a call from, uh, Joey abs, the third member of the mean street posse. Now they're in Memphis and they're saying to me, um, he said, he said he needed someone to talk to that was going to make him smile. And I said, what's the matter? And he said, he just got released. And yeah. I said, no way. Now I'm in Puerto, I'm in Puerto Rico and they're in Memphis. I said, you're kidding me. And he said, no. And he goes, Rodney's in there right now. And he said, they're either sending people home or they're sending them to Louisville. So guys like in Memphis, we were, we were with guys like Daniel Bryan, uh, Lance Cade, Ron Killings, you know, our truth. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Lisa Marie, who was also, her, her name was Victoria uh-huh. in wrestling. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, we had a, we, we had a great group of people there. And then, uh, the, um, we had a, so anyway, we had a bunch of guys there and, uh, a lot of people were getting cut or sent to Louisville and, you know, in Louisville you had, uh, you know, Batista was, you know, about to be called up, uh, yeah. Brock Lesnar, all those guys were just about to be called up and, you know, they, they were going there. So I remember I was riding along in Puerto Rico. I was riding along with D'Lo Brown and Mosh from the Headbangers because we were all there, you know, training together and we were going to a show. And I, I remember sitting in the back of the car and I remember D'Lo was asking me what's wrong because I was quiet. Yeah. And I said, I just have a bad feeling, you know, there's something wrong. And he said, Pete, he said, you're not in Memphis. You're in Puerto Rico. You got to get it out of your head. I said, yeah, but we're a group. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why. You know, I said, they're, they're going to, if they're going to let one of us go, they're going to let all of us go. I could feel it. Mm-hmm. And then the next, sure enough, that was on a Wednesday. On the Thursday, I went grocery shopping. I remember like an idiot and I was walking with all these groceries and, uh, but I don't know if you remember Bob Clark, but mm. Bob Clark, he was, he worked under Jr. He called me up and he said, um, peak. And I talked to you. And as soon as I saw his yeah. number, I knew I was getting cut. Mm. And, uh, so I just said to him, I said, uh, I, he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm walking with groceries. He said, all right, I, I'll call you back in 10 minutes. And I said, just give me the effing news. And he said, well, you know, we're going a different way. We, you know, we, we, we want you to go to Japan. Um, JR is going to put you in, t- in touch with Dr. Death, which he never did. And, uh, mm-hmm. so then, and then by then, you know, soon, soon thereafter was nine 11 and no one was doing shows, not even Indies. So then there was nowhere to go. So that was pretty much the end of uh, my wrestling career. So uh, after that, and and I'm sure you were eternally grateful to your friend Shane, um, but was it awkward after that for a while or you guys just were friends all the way through it and you knew how to separate the two? So 
yeah, it's funny you say that. So I, I think I put that in the book. So after, after I got released, my car was in, in Alabama. I was dating a girl there. I got in my car. I drove straight to straight back home and I went straight to Titan tower and, uh, the following day and I went and saw Shane and, you know, I walked into his office and, and afterwards he said he thought I was going to blast him one in the face and punch <laughs> him out for cut for being cut. Yeah. But instead I, I was just the opposite. I, I, uh, I went over to him and uh, I put my hand out and I shook his hand and I said, thank you for the best three years of my life. I can never repay you. Um, you know, I'm still reaping the benefits from it to this day. I mean, I still get to do the edge and Christian show. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's still things I have, I have friends that I will have for the rest of my life. And, you know, there's certain things that, you know, you, you got to look at it as the glass is half full and yeah. <clears throat> look at it, you know, like, Without Shane, I would never have had those opportunities. Um, you know, like, again, you know, they, they gave us an opportunity, but we made the most of it. And, you know, it was with, through hard work and and trying is what, what made us stay there. Because, like I said, Vince would yeah. never have kept us if we didn't work hard. Yeah. But it was more about um, the opportunity and, 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 and my friendship and my love for him that I just wanted to be able to uh, – thank him and so you know i gave him a big hug and and uh we sat down and we laughed and we reminisced and and you know he appreciated that and you know rodney unfortunately uh didn't have those same feelings that i did mm. and unfortunately to this day they don't speak um really so we're yeah so that's it's it, that's it's hard because rodney didn't um didn't want to speak to Shane because Shane reached out to him. Mm -hmm. And then, um, when Rodney finally realized that he, that, you know, through me talking to him or whatever, and over time that, you know, that his chance was given through him and that, you know, his glass should be half full Yeah. <clears throat> by then Shane was Shane's feelings were hurt because, you know, yeah. it was, it was years after that. And then, wow. You know, and I, and I know that to this day, Rodney regrets that. And, yeah. um, cause we, from time to time, we'll talk about it and, you know, he regrets the whole, how he handled the thing. So it's, it's sad, but it's one of those things now where, you know, it's those two guys are, you know, there's a lot of testosterone built up in those two yeah. guys. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, and it's too bad too, cause those, those two guys were probably better friends than any one of the posse guys or, or the original guys or whatever. Those two were the closest. So it's just too bad that they, ne they never were able to reconcile. So hopefully one day I can, uh, you can make that. You know, happen. There was times where Rodney, yeah. Cause Rodney, Rodney and I had fights when we were younger and, and where we didn't talk for like six, eight months, whatever. And, and Shane would be the one to get us. <laughs> Shane would take us to a strip club and he'd make <laughs> us sit at the bar I swear to this is a true story. Make us sit at the sit at the bar, and he wouldn't let us leave the bar area until we until we he he'd buy us like a bunch of beer, make us sit there and talk it out while he went and got lap dances, and then it had to be straightened out, and we had, we would straighten everything out, and then we'd go yeah. out and and then we'd go celebrate. So, yeah. and he, he did that. You know, he's he's uh, 
Shane Shane was always really in. You know, people always think I'm really like kissing his butt, but he, it's it's the way the guy is. And uh, but he's uh, he's been the glue to the to the whole thing. And you know, it's his uh, the way he is as a person that makes it so special. And and I know uh, that was it for you in the business. I know you you had I wanted to try and continue it, but of course, like you said, nine eleven had happened. The business took a big hit for a while. And you had to get back yeah. to work, and and um, but uh, through all these years, have have you and Shane and, and Shane went off on his own for a while? But have you always remained close and still to this day? Always, yeah. I, I mean, unfortunately, you know, like I've always, you know, we have different lives now. Where you know he was when he was on his own, he was you know like he when he left WWE, um, I reached out to him, and we took a trip to Boston to go see a mutual friend. And, uh, we had a, a good long talk on the, uh, you know, I said to him, he wanted to drive and I said, ah, let's just, let's just get a, uh, couple of cheap flights and just fly coach and go up. And then he has to one up it and he gets a private jet, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. And then we're on, we're on a, we're on a private jet, me, him and another guy. And then, and, uh, the other guy fell asleep and he and I had a little heart to heart on the, on the plane. And, you know, we talked about some things and, you know, and, uh, so, I mean, I, I knew all along from our discussion, what was going on and, and, uh, you know, he confided some things in me and, um, so, you know, my heart breaks for him on certain things. And so I, I, I get it. I know where he's at, but, uh, that's why when, when he came out in Detroit, there was no, you know, I was probably in the top five happiest people when I saw his, uh, his ugly mug come out from, uh, when I heard that music hit. So it was yeah. great. But you have to wonder how many, you know, the, those bumps, he just can't, <laughs> he's not a young man anymore. I remember when he was a kid, but, uh, you can't keep yeah. taking those bumps no. and he just, uh, I don't know. I, I can't think of many in the business who have ever taken more hellacious bumps than he has. No, it's his love for the business. And yeah. I think he just, you know, I, I think he just has, something to prove there's yeah. something that he's always uh in my opinion he has something to prove and and you know it's his love and desire to be you know something absolutely special and i think he does that yeah and that's, really? you know that's that's what makes him you know and i i hear you know like i read dirt sheets i i listen to radio i bust it open i read to, i listen to podcasts i listen to all that stuff and I hear people knock him and how, you know, he doesn't, he's going to be, uh, you know, bad in this match. And it's going to, you know, WrestleMania is going to stink his match. And then he goes out and he steals the show. And I'm like, yeah. it just, I shake my head. I'm like, this guy's 46, 47, 48, all these, you know, and I just keep seeing, you know, and, and this kid's going to turn 49 in less than two weeks. Sure. And, you know, on, you know, on the 15th of, of, of uh january he turns 49 and i'll be the first one to remind him that he's gonna be 49 <laughs> and we laugh about it but he yeah. um but he just you know it's one of those things where he uh he just has this desire to to prove people wrong and i love it i love that about him he just it's 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 in his blood just to prove people wrong and it's a part of his father that's in him that just has to show people that he has it in him and it, it's just mm. it's awesome amazing well, I'm, I'm, that's awesome, though, that you guys are still as close after all these years. Uh, folks, the book is called Looking at the Lights, My Path from Fan to a Wrestling Heel. 
Uh, you can get it pretty much everywhere, I imagine, uh, Pete, on Amazon and all the other book outlets. Yes, that's correct. Amazon's um, the most consistent place. It's got. It's actually pretty inexpensive now, too, so it's uh, it's good. The best part about it, I mean, we had a... I haven't, I've yet to find someone say that it's really a, a bad read. So people no, no, it, it is not. And we, and you no. told us a lot to, uh, in this conversation, but folks, there's a lot of stories that, uh, he hasn't told and, and it, it is, it's a great read. Uh, and so pick it up if you get a chance, it's, uh, got some pretty great insight and it's not just from, uh, that friendship with Shane, but, uh, the, the uh, road from uh, someone who, you know, just plucked out of the streets, basically those mean streets of Greenwich, but uh, actually getting it done and, and you, and having tremendous memories in, in, uh, uh, in with the WWE and I, and life is good now. I mean, now you're in Florida. Yeah. Now I'm in Florida. Uh, my bones don't hurt from the winters up in Connecticut. <laughs> yeah. Enough sure. of those. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm sitting here now, and in, in the heat, I don't have the air conditioning on because I didn't want the background noise. So I'm sitting mm. here in a puddle of sweat, but I'm doing good. And I'm going to go home and shower. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I didn't want edgy Christian comments, but um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, it's it's good though. We're having some. We're in Jacksonville, and uh, Pete, really, it's been great talking to you. I hope I hope we work again uh, together soon. You never know. Yeah. Uh, with ENC, sounds good, and we'll we'll have some more fun. Yeah. But uh, thanks for taking the time and and sweating it out with us today. <laughs> <laughs> literally literally sweat it out all right man thanks bud i appreciate the time i love that conversation see that's another one of those uh that you don't expect uh, you, i know you've heard the stories before but i know in this conversation there was a lot of things that uh, you never heard about especially how uh, vince uh opened uh, the front door with Shane's head, which <laughs> these things, you know, he's a dad too. He's got it. You know, yeah, he was a strict uh, disciplinarian, uh, but uh, look, Shane turned out all right, although he's out of his mind and some of the bumps he takes and, uh, but he uh, really is, is a great guy. And uh, you know, Pete is too. And I had the opportunity to work with him uh, during an episode of uh, edge and uh, Christian's show. And uh, he's just really, really great guy. Very funny. Uh, some awesome stories. And, um, you know, I loved hearing about the McMahon family. There's the things that, that another side of that, you know, that uh, you don't often hear about. But they're just regular family. He's just trying to raise a son and, and uh, have him turn out okay. And in an insane world, imagine what they were surrounded by. And, uh, you know, they're just they're, they're great people. I don't know if you ever had a chance to be around him, but if you ever do, you know, Shane's, a, Shane's an awesome guy. And maybe you'll get the chance to meet Pete at one of these shows. But if you do, be sure and go say hi to him. Uh, once again, before we take off here, uh, I want to thank our sponsor. Uh, they are with us, and we love them. Uh, Bluechew.com. And now could not be a better time to get your first order in. And because you listen to Primetime with Sean Mooney, we've got a very special deal for you. Visit Bluetooth.com right now, and you're going to get your first shipment absolutely free when you use our special promo code PRIMETIME. That's P-R-I-M-E-T-I-M-E, and you'll just pay 5 bucks for shipping. Again, that's uh, Bluetooth.com, promo code PRIMETIME to try it for free. So come on, guys, man up. That's Bluetooth.com. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we'd love for you to become a member of our, our Patreon uh, membership. And there's a, 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 any tier, there's, we've got three tiers now. Uh, you can become a prime timer, you can be uh, one of the Moonies, 
or you can be Lu, Lu, uh, the Legion of Who, and that is uh, our, our uh, tier that we just added. It's the top tier there, and a lot of great things you can do there. Uh, among them, you're going to get a, a free T-shirt when you sign up, and then uh, six months down the road, uh, once you're in, we're going to do a, a podcast together. Absolutely, you and I are going to do a podcast, and it is going to be put up right there on Patreon for everyone to listen to. Okay, so check it out, patreon.com slash primetimemooney, patreon.com slash primetimemooney. Check out our T-shirts at mooneytees.com. We make it so easy for you. And check out some of the new designs we've got up, uh, guys. It's mooneytees.com. I think you like them. We've got a lot more coming. We've got a new partnership going. Oh, we're going to have uh, hats soon, and these are going to be great hats, not just with something plastered on there. It's going to be stitched. So... Uh, some awesome uh, stuff coming up. We're, we're into the merch business now, and, and uh, our listeners are going to love what we've got coming your way. Uh, we've got uh, more news next week. Uh, things are happening. We've got uh, you know, the AEW event coming up. StarCast 2 is on the way in May. Uh, we're hoping to be a part of that. I hope I will have more to tell you in the coming weeks. Uh, you can stay tuned on everything that's happening with us on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, thank you all. I heard we hit 6,000 uh, followers on Instagram. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Primetime Mooney. Also, keep helping us to build up our YouTube channel. I told you the story a couple of weeks ago about how we were trying to get that channel monetized because we had a lot of people there. And, uh, you know, all these revenue streams help us keep doing what we're doing. I can keep uh, throwing some money uh, to uh, Casey Drombeck and also Evan Polisher. And, it, you know, it takes a lot to put this together every week, folks. And I hope you'll keep supporting us. And you can do that by just going to the YouTube channel and subscribing and then uh, taking a look at some of the material. We've got great material up there. We keep adding more and more each week. Of course, it doesn't compare to Patreon because that is the special place to go. But uh, helps out to uh, get that going. Uh, as I mentioned, all you have to do is go to primetimemooney.com for that. And we will have another great episode. Of course, you know it's going to be another great episode. And it will be here next Wednesday. 6 a.m. Eastern Time, and I am out. <laughs>